Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. How many of you know and believe that, that God created the heavens and the earth? It's in the very beginning, before there was anything, there was God. He created the heavens and the earth. He, he was, his imagination stirred within him. And the explosion of that imagination resulted in him speaking. And as he would speak, power was released that transformed a, 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 a nothingness, a barren nothingness into something. And everything that we experience today, everything we know, everything we uh, can get our hands upon was, was created during that season as his imagination ran wild and love stirred on the inside of him. And he would speak what he was seeing and things would begin to be created and brought forth. It says, male and female, he created us. How many of you know he gave us a job? We had work, works not from the devil. <laughs> Some of you are like, listen, but you are saying that kind of stuff in this church. <laughs> no, work, is, work was God's design. He gave us work, except work then didn't come with the pain and the turmoil, the, the, the trials, the, the sweat and the toil that can come with our work today. It was, it was different. And, 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 and con- considering the, the creation, we was you know, primarily agricultural in nature and that we were called to, to tend the garden. And yet the difference was that the, that the earth was blessed by God. The soil was blessed by God. Having been newly created, he called it good. It was perfect. And in such, it would perfectly yield uh, an unbelievable crop. You know, you can just imagine, you, we, we've read the stories in the Old Testament of the land of Canaan, the land of promise, where the, the fruits, the vegetables were just bigger than life. You could just imagine in the beginning, before anything was corrupted, as God created it and breathed over it, as he you know, puts his hands in the soil, and he, he blesses it, he anoints it with his own presence, with his own creative flow, how unbelievable the produce would have been during that time. And there was no pestilence, and there was no disease in the beginning, so there was nothing to to destroy the fruit of the land. And so it was plentiful. The harvest was plentiful. There was nothing to wreak havoc on it. The the land was blessed. The the people were blessed. And and just as there was no uh, pestilence as it related to the vegetation, human beings live forever. How many of you know that? You were designed by God to live forever. forever. I've heard scientists even today say they don't understand ultimately why our bodies break down. But the design of it is perfect. The design should be that we would live forever. And how many of you know there was a time when we were designed to live absolutely forever? There was no sickness. There was no disease. Those things hadn't been introduced onto the planet yet. And I would suggest to you that most of our problems surround those kinds of things today, don't they? Most of our pain and our misery. <laughs> well, it's either relational or it's sickness. And those things didn't exist Back then, there, there wasn't that kind of pain and, and misery. There wasn't sickness and death. People weren't dying. The, the, the sickness had no hold on humanity. Relationships were perfect. God created us, designed us to come together, and, and, and marriage was a beautiful thing. It was a, it was a, it was a, a flawless work of art where, where nobody was bitter and the, the unforgiveness had no place. 
Where, where it, like, you know, they, the, your spouse didn't expect you to read your mind and flog you when you couldn't. You know, it was just, it was just utter perfection, and, and, and child-rearing and bearing was, was just as beautiful. Like, how many of you know right now, child-bearing and rearing comes with a little bit of pain? Like, from start to finish, on some level, there's some pain associated with the process, but it wasn't so in the beginning. That's not God's design. That's not how he created it. Like, childbirth was, was pain-free, and women, you could have as many children as you wanted, and you wanted more than two because, it was, like, it was good. <laughs> Best part, no talking back. You're like, sure, I'll have another one. They're little angels. They're, they're great. None of them look like they're dead at all. This is great. No, but it was, it was perfect. And, and like childbirth, it didn't, it didn't mess up the mother's body because everything in creation flowed perfectly according to its design. You know, and as it relates to child mortality, well, there wasn't any. You know, there wasn't sickness and death, and there wasn't, there wasn't all this stuff that plagues us today. And, and, and as a result of that, the, the pain that plagues us with it, like, it was not there. You understand, in the beginning of creation, these things did not exist. They weren't there. It was not in God's heart. It was like he didn't speak, like, and let there be pain and misery, and then call it good. You understand, like, that's not how it started, right? Some of you are hearing this for the first time. <laughs> No, everything that he initiated, everything that he thought of, it was, it was good. It was, it was full of joy. I mean, how many animal lovers are there in here? Because, like, even creation, I've got a spoiled bit of furry creation at home. You know, so I love dogs as well. But, like, how many of you have ever sat in the woods and you thought, because so this, this is Johnson County, right? So everybody's sat in the woods. Like, how many has ever thought, oh, look, there's a deer over there. I wonder if I could pet him, said everyone in Johnson County. Right? And if you're like me, I'm like, peace. Bless him with peace, Lord. I'm preaching the gospel to all of creation. You know, come to me. Not today? All right. You know, another day. We'll try it again, you know? Like, but in the beginning, God didn't create that kind of fear. Like, he didn't put fear upon animals. So we were killing them. <laughs> yeah, and so, like, everything was your pet. You know, every fur beast of all of creation, like, like there was nothing with big shark teeth that you were like, oh my gosh, that thing might actually kill me if I try to pet it. Like that, that didn't exist, right? Everything was beautiful. Everything was perfect. You know, we, we had responsibilities on the earth and God trusted us with, uh, with perfection. We walked face to face with God. Like how many of you would say yes and amen to that today? Like God's existence was never in question. Like, there was never this fleeting thought that ever popped in where you were like, maybe all this is crazy. No, no those, like that, that sentiment, that thought process, it, it didn't exist because honestly, it would be as silly as me saying, this is Charles right here. It would be as silly as me saying, well, Charles doesn't exist. And everybody's like, no, he really does. He's right. I'm like, like, that's pretty silly when he's standing right in front of me. How many of you know we had a face-to-face -face relationship with God in the beginning? We had unbroken relationship with God. Everything that we needed was at our disposal. Listen, because we had unbroken relationship with God, unbroken communion with God, that means we had access that we, we got to, if you will, bathe in the fullness of love, the, the, the full expression of kindness. We got to taste and see the full expression 
of his goodness. There was no separation between us and all that he was. We walked in a place of perfect peace, hand in hand with God. And listen, if we wanted access to wisdom where we were like, like I don't know, I think I'm going like, to like build a highway. What's a highway? <laughs> like we had access to full wisdom and full knowledge because it was like a phone call away. Like, hey, God, I had this weird thought today. You know, and, and there you are having a face-to-face encounter with him as he's talking and dreaming together with you. Boy, doesn't that just sound good, huh? There was never any anxiety, never any depression, never any need for a sozo because we didn't have emotional wounds, pains, hurts. We had access to absolutely everything that we needed in this perfect place. Now, here's the thing. There was essentially, I mean, the earth was a utopia. Am I, am I painting the picture enough? At least the place where human beings lived was absolutely beautiful. Home and gardens, you know, on the cover of a magazine. Just absolute beauty, absolute perfection. You know, just in absolutely every way. There was one condition, one simple condition that would allow us to live in this utopia forever. And that was that we listened to God and we obey his voice. That was it. That we listen to God and we obey his voice. By God's design, we, we started out in this place where we got to walk completely bathed in his perfect love. It was this, this love relationship, nothing that separated us, but for love to exist we had to actually have the choice to be able to love God back. And that's precisely what God was looking for. How many of you know, like, if I told you to do something, like, and you don't have a choice? <laughs> like, if I told you, hey, you're going to you need to, you're going to love me. You love me right now, you know? Like, that's not really love. It's, it's just obedience, if I even get that out of Bud. That's Bud, by the way. <laughs> you know? Like for, for true love to exist, there has to be a choice. And so with that, God creates what we call free will. Right? Like, and, and since we're picking on Bud, I could go up and punch Bud right now. I'm thinking about it right now. <laughs> and I've got some friends who will help me. You know, it, it's free will. We have, the, we have the choice to either reciprocate in love this God who is absolute perfection, who is absolute love, who, is, like, who has never done anything that would cause us to, to think that he's out to get us or that he's not trustworthy in some way. We could, we could reciprocate in love. We can engage him in the way that he's modeling. Or, quite honestly, we could turn our backs on him. We could rebel. We could just walk away. This is free will. And obviously, in our world, we would call that sin. To turn our back and walk away from God, today we would call that sin. We have the ability to choose what we're going to do, whether we're going to stay with him, whether we're going to uh, make him our uh, life's ambition and our focus, or whether we're going to turn our back and rebel and step into sin. Now, with the creation of free will, God inserts this tree in the garden. And I know many of you have heard this story, but bear with me. He inserts this tree in the garden, uh, the tree that represented the knowledge of, of good and evil. But, but really, quite frankly, more than that, what it represented was our choice. What it represented was our choice to obey him because this was the one thing that God prohibited of human beings. 
He said, of all of the trees in the garden, of everything, I've, I've put everything here, every green thing is for you, it's for your benefit, everything is good, but this one tree that I've planted there, do not eat from it. Here's the problem, though. It was amazing. It was the most delectable. Like, the Bible says that the, that the fruit on this tree was exceptional. Like, it looked so amazing. And listen, this morning, I want to tell you, this is the problem. This tree, this knowledge of good and evil, this tree that represents our choice, uh, and if that choice is taken, the tree that represents our sin, how many of you know that sometimes sin is, is it really is enticing? Like sometimes sin looks really, really good. Like the fruit on this tree, we can look at it from the outside and go, that looks really tasty. Like it really looks like that actually will bring me life if I partake of that. Like I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy this very much. I can tell right now just by looking at the tree, this is going to be a good thing for me. How many of you know that sometimes sin in the same way misrepresents itself as something choice, as something delectable, and it has an allure to it that draws us in, and we, 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 we look at it, and we kind of, in this moment, we kind of go, like, no, if I partake of that, it's going to be good, and like, who's going to know anyway? And it draws me in beyond the parameters that God has said. The problem, though, is that the Bible is super clear that sin actually separates us from God. That sin leads to death. And, 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 and though in the moment it might be gratifying... Like in the moment I go, yeah, it tastes really good. In the moment I say, yeah, it feels really good. And in the moment I say, I have friends. In the moment I say, when I stepped into these things, I, I, had, I had friends for the night. I had people who understood me, who liked me. And we got to hang out together all because I took the bait, all because I stepped into that, right? I was accepted. I, I felt loved for the moment. The problem is, though there's temporary pleasure in sin, the end result of it is devastation. The end result of it is pain. The end result of it is ultimately death and destruction to you. And honestly, here's the thing, and to the loved ones that are around you. Because sin is like taking a pebble and throwing it in the middle of the pond. The ripple effects are endless. It's a trap. It looks good on the outside, but at the end of the day, it has aimed to steal, kill, and to destroy you. And it has these fleeting pleasures, and this is also part of the point. Because the pleasures are fleeting, it draws you to come back and back again to take another piece of fruit off of that tree. And you have to keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back and sitting and keep sitting some more because it's fleeting. You have to keep coming back because it makes you feel good. And when I stop and I go over here, all of a sudden I don't feel good anymore. And I can add to that. Now I actually feel a little bit guilty. And I don't feel good about who I am because I've been eating from that tree. But you know what? When I'm eating from the tree, I feel a little bit better. And so it draws me to come back again and to take it again. And I feel good in that moment. But then I go home. I don't feel so good anymore. And my life, my... My world just begins to swirl out of control. Relationships break down. I start choosing things that maybe I, uh, I, maybe I would have had a different grace before. I, I could have had self-control, but now I, I don't seem to have self-control anymore. And now I'm beginning to hurt the people that are around me. It's all because I keep going to the stupid tree. 
And this tree then becomes my identity. It's a false identity. It's a trap. And that's the thing, is it, is it, is it traps me then in this, in this cycle of, of partaking and guilt and, and destruction. And I, and I just keep coming back because I don't understand, like, like the guilt that's associated with it has, has, has cut me off from God and has caused me to, to misunderstand his grace and to, and to think actually that he's in this realm of judgment that like God would never want me anymore because I've been partaking of this tree and we don't understand that it's exactly Exactly the opposite. That God's just waiting in the fullness and the perfection of love, interceding in prayer for us, sending people into our lives to speak truth to us, hoping beyond hope that we'll choose to eat from a different tree. I mean, you guys know the story, Adam and Eve, the first man, the first woman, they, you know, they, they, they took the bait. And the enemy did then what he's trying to do to you this morning. You know, he, he comes in with a little bit of, like a little teeny layer of truth, a little bit of, see, because here's the thing, like the tree, if, it, if the fruit didn't look good, it wouldn't be a temptation, would it? Think about that. If the fruit didn't look good, it wouldn't be a temptation. Like, like if, if you knew what it was, like if you saw a tree full of rotten, disgusting, filthy fruit that's like dripping off of it and gross spooge, I don't think probably you would eat from it. Right, but instead it looks delectable. It's like this is, and this is part of the trickery of the enemy who is in, who's enticing you in and who wants you to believe that God is actually not for you. He, he wants you to believe he wants you to believe that, that, that actually the restrictions that God put in place, that they're meant to control you because he's a controlling God. You know, he wants you to believe that the only way you're going to be able to fit in is if you go to the tree where everybody else is going and you eat the same fruit that they're all eating. He wants you to believe that the only way that you're going to be accepted and fit in the only way that people will receive you, the only way you're going to get family around you is to go and hang out around that tree and say the same things they're saying, do the same things they're doing. But it is a trap. It's just the enemy full of lies all over again. His deception making it look better than it actually is in reality and luring you in to steal, kill, and destroy you. We have to begin to see that it is what it is, that it's a trap from the enemy. We have to begin to see God for who he is, that any restriction allegedly that he's put upon my life is really only there for my benefit, that, that when God steps in and he puts restrictions on my life, he's actually doing it so that I could step into life and godliness. He's calling me to step into life and abundance. He's not putting restrictions on me just to keep me from having fun. He's putting restrictions on me so that I don't fall in a hole and die. It's not unlike a toddler who I would say, hey, don't play in the street. Dad, like, I'm not trying to squash the toddler's fun. I'm placing parameters so as to protect them from life. Like I wouldn't encourage a toddler to go to some old hairy guy in his sketchy van. Right? We, we tend to communicate to our toddlers to avoid such interactions. Am I wrong? I'm going to need a little more help from you people this morning. 
And in the same way, any restriction or supposed restriction that God puts upon your life is actually meant for your good, for your well-being, to keep you happy, healthy, and whole. We've got to begin to separate this out and come to a place where we understand. Just so we make sure we get the scriptures in there. Romans 6.23, for all, for the wages of sin is death. And how many of you know we have all fallen short of the glory of God? Romans 3.23. See, because here's the problem. When Adam and Eve took the bait, it corrupted absolutely everything. When they crossed that line, when they doubted God and they engaged in sin, they collapsed the human race and brought destruction upon the planet. Literally everything was impacted. And in the same way that you and I would have like a corrupted bloodline where it's like, yeah, my mom had this disease and now I've got it. That's the way it goes. It's, you know, it's in the, it's in the genes. Now the disease of sin is in the genes of every single human being. There's nothing you can do about it. You're born with it. This morning I have a bit of an illustration for you. I hope that it that you'll understand that you can see. Sometimes it's just better to have a visual. All of sin, all have fallen short of the glory of God. Here's the issue. Because we're born into sin, because Adam and Eve stepped into that, because they took the bait and crashed the human race. That sin actually separates us from God. It separates us completely. God is holy, and obviously a sinful person is right the opposite of such. And the sin in our lives actually repels God, and it brings a separation. The issue, of course, is this, and this this is the real point of the matter. If we were to die in that state, we would die separated in our sinful state for eternity. So here's the deal. This is oil. I think you can probably ascertain that, even though it looks very small. Oil represents God. We were once in unity with God. Because of the crash of the human race, sin brought separation. This is vinegar. Can you see that? I could put food coloring in it. That'd be helpful. See, here's the thing. There's absolutely nothing that I can do to make those two elements come back together. There's nothing on their own that these things can do. Like like the vinegar that represents us cannot in its own strength merge back with the oil. I could take this, I could shake it up. I'm not going to today. But I could shake it up 
and in short order, they would, they would repel each other. They would bring separation all over again. It's a perfect illustration of this reality that the, we are literally hopelessly lost. There's absolutely nothing that we can do. Like, we actually repel God. God cannot be with us. We can't be one with him again. We're absolutely and completely hopeless and lost in our sins, separated from God like this. And there's literally, I could shake it. I could do anything. I could, I could, I could, I don't know. I could get really crazy. We could, we could do some dancing, whatever. Like, it's not going to come back together. Listen, for you, there are no amount of good works that you can do. There is nothing in your own strength that will ever cause you to merge back together in unity with God again. Just as these two elements repel one another, the sin in your life repels God from you. You're separated from him. Just as these elements, they represent that with absolute perfection. There's nothing that you can do in your own strength to bring them back together again. And while we were hopeless in our own strength, while there was nothing that we could do on our own, there was something that God could do. He could send us an Easter egg. This morning I'm going to here and forever redeem your view of Easter eggs. <laughs> While we were lost and we were hopeless in our sin, completely and utterly separated from God, when there was nothing that we could do to come back together in unity with God, there was something that God could do. There actually was a solution to our problem. In fact, John 3.16, you guys are so familiar with the verse. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. See, this sin problem that we had, this was a human being problem, not a God problem. How many of you know he was perfect on his side? He's not the one that collapsed the human race. We did that all by ourselves. Right? This was a human problem. The wages of sin are death. A human being then had to die to satisfy the penalty. So nobody could die but a human being to satisfy the penalty. Right? There was nothing that we could do because dying just brought separation between us and God for eternity. So we were endlessly marooned on this place where there was nothing that we could do. But God, in his infinite and perfect imagination, before you were ever even a creative thought, had a solution in Jesus Christ. So insert Jesus, the necessary ingredient, the necessary variable. If Jesus could come, if God himself could come and, 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 and come onto the human scene to be born, just as you're born, as a human being, and live this life and not step into sin, he can actually, as a human being, step into the penalty to the penalty of death that was upon the human race, he could actually satisfy it. And so Jesus comes. He was, he was born. Isaiah 53 says that he was crushed for our iniquities. I believe in Isaiah 52, it says he was, he was beaten. He was beaten beyond recognition. When they were done with him, you could tell whether, let's just say where he ended was not where he started. He was beaten beyond recognition. 
And he was introduced to the human race to die. And he was buried in a tomb. And for three days he sat. You can see as I've introduced that, there are now three parts. Here's the problem. It's great that we have a, pro- a solution to the problem. It's great that God has, has added another ingredient, but in and of itself, if the vinegar doesn't do anything about it, then they remain completely separated and separated for eternity. The vinegar, even scientifically, has to receive the oil into itself. Right? Like, and if it doesn't, it'll literally just, it'll just remain three different elements stuck in that jar for, forever. Hey, Pastor Misty, if you were here with us a couple of weeks ago, she talked about how we don't just believe in Jesus. In the book of James, it tells us that even demons believe in Jesus. And gets, listen, like they've actually beheld him in glory. Right? They believe in God. They believe in Jesus. They believe he is the son of God who came away to take away the sins of the world. You know, the lamb who was slain before the the creation, the one who would take our sin upon himself, they believe all of those things just as you and I do, but how many even know they're still going to be roasting in hell eventually? Their belief alone doesn't do anything for them. The vinegar has to actually receive the oil into itself. We, as Pastor Misty expressed, have to actually believe upon Jesus. We have to actually give our lives away to him. See, it's more than just believing. Believing in God simply has the elements that are necessary for success. But we actually have to receive him into ourselves. And when we receive him into ourselves, when we, when we die to ourselves, see, because that's the thing. The Bible says that, that, when that when the stone was rolled over that that day, if you and I, if we receive him this morning, that it's as if spiritually, it's as if we actually died with him in the tomb that day. It says when he was buried, we were buried. That we were buried, that we actually died together with him in that place. But it also says that when he raised again on the third day, and if I'm not mistaken, that's what we're here celebrating today. That when he raised again on the third day, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you actually got to raise again with him. That when you raised again, you were no longer the same. You were forever wrecked for the ordinary. You were changed as something that supernaturally had transformed on the inside of you. You were no longer what you were. You've been transformed miraculously into something different. The Bible calls this a new creation. See, when you merge these three elements and when the vinegar, which represents you, actually uh, intentionally reaches out and absorbs the, the oil, which represents God, and we receive this, the, the, the sun represented by the egg, we get a strange phenomena called emulsion. And all of a sudden, the elements that in and of their own self could never, ever come together, come together into one. Now, in the culinary world, we call this mayonnaise. Now, I don't know very many people who like vinegar all by itself. But all of a sudden, merged together with the Son, with the Father, by the power of the Spirit, 
It becomes something incredible, something brand new, something that didn't exist before they came together. And listen, where we were once in unity, Jesus Christ paid a price that we could come together with him in unity again. The Bible says that if you're born again, that you are one with God. He was able to come and do what you couldn't do. It's mayonnaise if you do it right. How many of you also know there's a perfect sequence in the culinary world, which didn't work out for my illustration, so. But it does taste like mayonnaise. <laughs> it's pretty crazy to imagine the God of the universe coming down out of heaven out of absolute perfection. It's not as if he hadn't hit reset on planet Earth before. I mean, think about that. What would you do if you were the creator and you had your creation running amok and blowing up everything? You know, I don't know that I'm going to come die for you. I'm going to be like, I'm good. I think I'll send fire instead. How many of you know God could have done anything except for come and die in your place? See, God was so desperate to express his love to you and to me. He was so desperate to be in unity with the creation that he dreamt up, that he spoke into existence, that he was literally willing to pay it all for you and for me. Because the idea of just having these three ingredients separated for eternity was just not something that he could live with. Jesus did absolutely everything that was needed. He was the necessary ingredient. That ingredient being added to our life is the only thing that allows the otherwise impossibly separated items to come together and to become a new creation that is both tasty and useful. Here's the thing. I know that this message can sound crazy. But more than I know that this message can sound crazy, I know this. I know that when I speak it, there's something deep on the inside of you that stirs. There's something on the inside of you that goes, yeah, that's, that's what he's saying is truth. That's right. I want to tell you this morning that that sense that you're having that, yeah, 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 what he's saying is right. Like, that's the rightest thing I've heard anybody say in a long time. Like, that's the Holy Spirit. See, the Bible says that God, the Father, releases grace for you to receive a message that to the world would be foolishness otherwise. He's releasing grace over you this morning. And, and, and while I, I understand that it could even sound complicated and if you think too long about it, it can seem a little bit weird or odd, but I'm here to tell you that salvation, being connected and merged together with God for eternity is way easier than you think. In fact, I've often been known to say it's as easy as ABC. So it's a simple pathway. We, we, we simply admit, we confess that when we were born into this world, we were born hopelessly separated from God. That we repelled him because of our sinful state and that there was absolutely nothing that we could do to get ourselves merged back together. 
B, we believe. We believe that Jesus Christ is who he said he is. We believe that he is once and for all the Easter egg that was sent to be born in order to merge us back in together by the power of the Spirit in unity with Father God who has wanted nothing more since the dawning of time than just to be in relationship and to express his love to us. And then commit. And this is what we were just talking about. It's, it's, I mean, it's one thing to believe that there are the necessary ingredients. It's another thing for the vinegar to receive the oil into itself. And we have to commit our lives to Christ. We repent of what we formerly were. We repent of our former thinking, of our lusts, of the sin that so easily entangles us. And we commit our lives to him, but we actually have to lay our lives in that tomb together with him. We lay our lives down. That's what it means to commit our lives to Jesus Christ. We're actually dying with him in that tomb. We're laying our lives down. And the Bible says that we've been bought with a price. His own blood purchased us. And that is, there's a requirement on that. That requirement is that I lay my life down as a love response to his love response. I commit my life into his hands. I take my hands off the wheel. I say, Jesus, come lead my life. A, B, and C. I know this is a simple message this morning, but I also know as soon as I'm saying it that there are people who are being stirred out there. I'm gonna pray to close, and I'm gonna pray... I'm going to have you, congregation, just pray aloud with me. And we're just going to pray a salvation prayer together. And as sure as I say that, I know that there are people that are out there who have either prayed it once before and it didn't take because you just simply believed in the elements that existed and you didn't believe upon them. You didn't receive God into yourself. And I know as soon as I say this that there are those who maybe have never even heard this message at all, but on the inside of you, something is stirring. And I'm submitting you now that, that something that's stirring is the Holy Spirit who is creating a resonance with the truth that I'm now speaking to you. If you're in those categories and you pray that together with me, I, I want to give you an opportunity when we get to the end to raise your hand. And, and the reason for that is not to make a spectacle of you, not to call you out or and try to embarrass you in, in, in some way. But to be honest, like first of all, the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Right? So I, we, we cannot enter into this, this priceless gift of Jesus Christ ashamed. You know, so let the redeemed of the Lord say so. But we also have a gift that we want to give you this morning that will aid you as you're getting started in your journey of life. And we want to be able to follow up with you if you would allow us to do that. And so pray with me. I'll tell you when you can repeat after me. So right now, Father, we just invite you. We thank you that you're here in this place. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're drawing hearts even as we speak. We thank you for mayonnaise. <laughs> That something so simple can illustrate such a profound truth of your desire, not just your desire, but what you initiated that day in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We thank you for that, God. Now you can pray after me. Jesus, Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for conquering sin and death. By raising from the grave under your own power. 
Today I lay my life down. That I also may be raised to newness of life with you. And I give you my life. I lay down my own will. I commit myself into your hands for my good and for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you're with us this morning and you just prayed that prayer for the first time or you're recommitting your life to Christ because you've fallen off the bandwagon, if you would do me the honor of raising your hand so that we can, of course, give a gift to you and follow up with you, as I've just said. No reason to be embarrassed. I see, see a hand back there. I think Pastor Misty has books, and you're doing that now. You got it covered. Awesome. So maybe just keep your hands up until somebody has a book in your hand. Anybody else like to respond this morning? Truth is, we have no idea what tomorrow will bring. We have an opportunity this morning to change the entire trajectory of your life. Would there be any more who would like to respond to that prayer? All right. Now, I'm not going to put shame on you. I know that there are others that are out there. And we see your hands. Thank you. They'll get those books to you and talk to you. I'm not going to put shame on anybody. If you were too shy to come up, because you're like, I am not raising my hand in front of all those people. This is crazy. I think he is. This is crazy. But I do want that Jesus thing. Prayer ministry team, if you guys would make your way up. These guys will be here and available today, this afternoon, to minister to you. If you have questions about what we talked about this afternoon, these guys are more than equipped to be able to answer those questions. But if you would like to give your heart to Jesus Christ, if you're wrestling with that in any way this morning, I want to encourage you to come and just chat with these guys to pray with them, you know, to hear their heart, you know, and to give your life in the private up here with these guys, if you could do that. Father, I bless these people. We thank you, Jesus, for coming and for dying, for giving us this, this uh, moment in our American history where we can come together just to remember what you've done for us. We bless these families as they go and have barbecue and more food than they should probably intake. Forgive them in advance. <laughs> We ask that you'd bless everybody as they go. Jesus, that you would continue to stir this message in their hearts. And we ask those of us who have already committed our lives to you, that you would give us opportunities, what we would call divine appointments today. As we're mixing with loved ones and family and neighbors and friends, would you give us opportunities to talk about this gospel message to those who you have put us in, the, in our sphere of influence. We're asking for those opportunities. Father, by your strength, we will be bold today to share this good news in Jesus' name. Bless you. Have a great week and a happy Easter. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.